We turn in God's Word now to Matthew chapter 22, and we're going to read from verse 34 down to verse 40. And we're thinking about this morning whose we are and whom we serve, which is the guild motto. Let's read God's Word together. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Amen. In our passage this morning, Jesus has been grilled by religious leaders. They are asking him a series of questions to try and trip him up. They are trying to trap him uh, and basically trying to get to stumble on his words and say something that's wrong so that they can hold something over him. The Pharisees earlier had asked a question about, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And again, they were testing Jesus, trying to trip him up. And, and seeing that Jesus gave a good response and that they couldn't trap him, the Sadducee, Sadducees then step up. And the Sadducees were a people that didn't believe in the resurrection. And one of the Sadducees asked this question. Now, remember that they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they asked about this crazy, wacky scenario uh, about... Jesus, let's say that there's this woman and, you know, she's married to this guy and he dies. The law says that the brother should then step in uh, and then that happens another five times and eventually she's married seven brothers, six of them have died and she's married to one that's left. Uh, in the resurrection, who's she going to be married to? A wacky scenario. They weren't trying to find anything to do with truth. They were just trying to trap Jesus and get him to stumble over his words. But again, Jesus blows them away with his answer, and they go away. I once heard, you don't want to be a sad, you see, because they're always sad, you see. Isn't that a good? I'll leave that one with you for free this morning. So they, they go away sad. They've not been able to trap Jesus and trip him up. So the Pharisees then step up again, and they've gathered together. You can just imagine them kind of, you know, sitting over a table going, right, what are you going to say? Trying to get some tactics. You know, who's got the best question here? That's a rubbish question. He'll never be able to answer that one. Or, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Teach the law. Go and ask him that one. So away they go, and they ask Jesus another question about what is the greatest commandment in the law. Again, they're not doing it out of pure motives. They're not doing it for hunger or thirst or righteousness. They're not doing it to, to uh, grow more in their knowledge. You know, read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. That's not why they were doing it. Why were they doing it? To test Jesus, verse 35 tells us. Isn't it intriguing to know that not everyone that gathers and hangs around has pure intentions and pure motives? That's why the Bible tells us that we're to test the Spirit's why we're to be a people of discernment. Even in church, there will be people who don't have pure motives. They don't do things out of kindness or wanting to know more about Jesus or out of a worshipful heart. They do it, as Paul says in Romans 16, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. And the Apostle Paul says this, keep away from them. Not everyone who gathers in a church building, not everyone who gathers around Jesus has pure motives. It's a lesson that we need to hear and remember. But what we do know is that God's kingdom is one of unity, not division. Let me bring this challenge this morning to you, Sandy Hills. I ask you this question. How and what are your motives? What are your motives? What is it you say when you're not in public? And it might be in the ears of one and two. What are the words that are trickling off? The church congregation might not be able to see or hear them, but I'll tell you what, God knows and God sees. Even though they didn't say to Jesus, we're going to trip you up here, they ask him this question to test him, and Jesus knew. Jesus knew the motives of their heart. Watch out for those who cause division. Watch out for those that don't have gospel proclamation, kingdom advancement, the glory of Christ and who he is as their chief motive. Watch out. And the Apostle Paul says, keep away from them. Discern what you're hearing. For not everyone who gathers around Jesus has the right posture of heart. God knows the intentions of the heart. And Jesus saw what they were doing here. And they ask Jesus this question. They try to corner him to get him to blaspheme. They get him to try and speak out against the law. They loved the law, or they thought they did. They loved the rules, and they loved the legislation, and they loved the, the, the things that, that they could control, and they could order, and they used the law to control people. And, and they didn't see it for what it actually was. And they didn't realize that Jesus, as he says earlier on in Matthew's gospel, he, he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. So they try and get Jesus to give us Jesus. What is the top commandment in the law? What is the, the best one? What is the highest out of all of them? Now, rabbis in that day divided up all the commandments in the Old Testament. And although they would have said that all are from God and all have to be treated with seriousness, when you start to divide things up, you end up putting them in lists and you end up putting them in piles of importance. Do you know that there are about 613 commandments that Jesus could have chosen from when he was asked this question? With there being 613 options to choose from, you then begin to see actually what the lawyer is doing here. Because if Jesus says one, well, I'll say two then. You know, how, how can that be the most important Jesus? What about the other 612 of them? By doing this, when you start to give people an option to choose from, you can then go, oh, we can have a wee debate about this. And you can try and get Jesus to trip up. I wonder if you would ask that question. What is the most important out of all of them? What would you have chosen? Maybe the, the Ten Commandments. I would probably say that because it's the ones I probably know and I wouldn't know the other 603 of them. There you go. Thank you, Sandra. The 603 of them. But Jesus chooses one that they would have known off by heart. 
They recited it every single day, multiple times as Jews. Jesus chose what we read in verse 37. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he says, this is the great and first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now this comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And it's what is called the Shema. And this is what Deuteronomy 6 says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. So the Shema, and the reason it's called Shema is that the, it, that word Shema means hear. And what they've done is they've taken the first um, word in what they would say, Hear, O Israel. So that's what Shema means, is hear. The first word is about hearing. It's about heeding and, and, and listening to instructions that are being given. There's instruction within this word, hear. There is a, an expectation that there will be action upon their listening. For friends, obedience is the highest form of worship. Hear, O Israel. We see this, O Israel, it's a communal thing. It's about community. It's not about the ones or the twos. It's about every per person in God's kingdom needs to hear and needs to live this out. It's not just about the priests or about those that were the teachers or the highest. This is about everyone. Hear, O Israel, hear you, O God's chosen people. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And in this, we have this claim of authority that, that there is only one God. There is no one else like him. Many of the other religions in that day and even many of the religions in our day will say that there's multiple gods. You choose who you want. Absolutely not. The Bible is very clear about this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is no one like him. This is a claim of worship. It's a claim of authority. It's a claim of praise. God, there is no one beside you. I will live my life for you and you alone. Whose we are. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we are shown the response that we need to give to God. It doesn't say you shall obey or you shall do for. You shall love the Lord God. You shall love him. We aren't going to dip into what each one of these mean this morning because we don't, don't have time, but effectively what this is saying is you need to, we need to love God with every fiber of our being, everything that we are. This isn't just about an hour on a Sunday morning. It's not just about the wee envelope that we put in the plate as we pass in. This is about every single part of who we are needs to respond to God in love. This comes back to what we're speaking about last week, about the posture of our hearts as God's people. Our relationship with God is of primary importance. Whose we are. We are his children. And everything flows from that relationship with him. He is the why it is done. 
the religious leaders, I'm sure they could have recited nearly all of the laws if you'd put them to the test, but they didn't know why they were done or for whom they were done. This is whose we are and this is our response. We're to love the Lord our God with everything that we are, with every single fiber of our being. Friends, you can follow rules and not have your heart bent towards the Lord. But you cannot love God and not obey him. If you love God, you will obey God. Not out of duty, but out of the overflow of affection for him. For it is a delight to be in his presence. It is a delight to obey him. It is a delight to do as he says because we love him. And it is the overflow of the heart's response to him is to serve him. Whose we are and whom we serve. Romans 13 says that love is the fulfilling of the law. Friends, God wants your heart. For when he truly has your heart, he has all of you. If we love God and we start from that place, the acts of service, they don't feel like a duty. It's a delight to serve him. It's a delight to do things for him. Because we know who he is and who we belong to. And this first part of whose we are, this is the up and down relationship. For when we know who he is, we know who we belong to. When we know who he is, it's only then that we know whose we are. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we're to love him with every part of our being. And the, the whom we serve, that will never be correct unless the up and down is correct first. The whose we serve will never be in the right position, the right place, have the right motives, the right heart behind it unless we know whose we are. And please don't do what so many ministers are doing now with this Bible passage. When we read it, we see that there is a, different, a difference between the two. There is a greater one and there's a second that is like it. They are not equal in importance and they're not equal in greatness. The greatest, Jesus says, is loving the Lord our God with everything that we are. That is the greatest commandment. What a lot of people are doing is they're saying that, you know, the two great commandments are, when we start to do that, we start to muddy the waters. And then what happens is that we can say, well, the most important thing that we need to do is, is love our neighbor as ourselves, And then we love God. If that is the way we approach this, we'll get it all back to front and we'll get it all wrong. Absolutely loving our neighbor is important. Jesus says it's important. But the greatest of importance is our attitude and our heart posture towards the Lord. Our love for others comes out of our love for God, not the other way around. God is first. And if we get this wrong, the wrong way around, we end up in a right mess. And that is, in my opinion, is, is how a lot of this, the C of S have ended up where we have ended up. This is where liberalism flows from. You see, if we look through everything with the lens of loving God, 
We can understand that, well, we need to live God's word and live how he commands and live how he says. But if we look through things of, of we need to love people first, then, well, that's really harsh. That might offend someone. That, I, I, I can't say that, you know, it might make them feel bad. Make sure that we look through everything with the first of importance lens, which is the love for God, loving him with everything that we are. And then everything flows from that. Loving people, friends, shouldn't and doesn't come at the cost of loving God in the way that he has called us to live. For in loving God, his people honor his word, walk in purity and live in holiness. It is only then we, when we do that, when we are people who love God first, that we can love people well. And just in closing this morning, Jesus says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And that is really how we end up serving because out of the overflow of our love for God, we're called to be a people who love others. But it's done from a place of serving him. How we respond to people comes as Christians as part of the overflow of love that we have for God. Love God because he is above all. There is no one like him. Sandy Hills, love him with everything that you have. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. It is only out of this love for God that we can properly love others well. Let us never forget whose we are and who we serve. And how it all flows from a relationship with Jesus. Jesus says on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I once heard that the rest of the Old Testament is really just the outworking of how to do those two things. It's all about the outworking of, of how we love God and how we love others. Friends, everything we do in this place needs to hinge on these two great commandments. Loving God and loving our neighbours as ourselves. Sandy Hills Parish Church, those that are part of the guild here, can you say hand on heart that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything that you are, and that you strive to love your neighbour as yourself? For I think if we get these two things well in this place, we wouldn't go far wrong. If we love God and love people, we'll be known as his bride.